Good evening, lunatics. It is Friday, January 26th, and we're back with you for episode 193 of the podcast. Looks like we got a few people checking in on YouTube. And we're still kind of catching up. There's some kind of technical gremlin that's invaded Larry's desk. We've tried it with two different computers, so we had to go old school with the very first USB microphone uh, he ever had when I suckered him into doing the podcast in the first place. But alas, we are live and we are making it through. So good evening. Uh, oh, we got Philip Gray on here. Phil, we need to talk to you because we have an opening. So uh, you need to get in touch with us this week. You are you are you are the next contestant on the Price is Right. Yes, you are. Wow. Um, Come on down. Yeah. Wow. So what's been happening this week? Um, well, other than me trying to get my eggs unscrambled. Yeah. Well, we had the, we had the big, uh, the FMCSA rule uh, announcement came out that March 11th is going to happen and life as we know it is, is going to end according to people on Facebook. Yeah, everybody's I, concerned about how that's going to affect Landstar. And they're going to hate to hear this, but it's not going to affect it one iota. It's not going to change anything. I know that's my going favorite, to break a bunch of people's hearts. My favorite is um, Landstar's no longer going to be able to make us do 120-day inspections. Um, what was the other one they right. thought? Uh, 120s and, uh, and something else, you know, which the typical truck driver response, which – has always entertained me is this idea that the FMCSA is simultaneously the root of all evil and, and the answer to all their prayers and the answer to all their problems. Like how, how, how does that work? That, uh, you point out everything that the FMCSA has done, um, that has negatively impacted the industry. If, if not for such a strong market, if not for, creative people that have kept things going um i mean the fmcsa if they had their way on everything would absolutely destroy uh our ability to move freight um but yet the market is always one step ahead of the state and the apparatus uh, oh pc that's it they weren't going to be able to restrict pc of course you know right. these knuckle draggers um if not made to get a 120 day inspection, they'd all be out of service on the side of the road. Cause you know, damn well, they're not getting under their trucks and doing anything. And then of course they'd be running PC three or four hours a day. You know, I mean, it's just, it's a comedy of errors. Um, and it's, and it's kind of sad, but yeah. the, and, and honestly, I mean, maybe I should, because I'm a broadcasting professional. Um, maybe I should read all this stuff, but I, I just, I simply can't make myself care. Um, uh, the, there are people who believe that with, they all have an employee mentality. They want to be employees. They want to be cared for from cradle to grave. They want someone, they need a bully. Right. They need someone 
that will protect them from every uh, negative occurrence. They need someone to answer all their needs, guarantee their pay, guarantee that never nothing's ever going to happen bad to them. And of course, when they get that, they're like, I wish these people would stay out of my life. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure exactly which way you want it, but it's going to be one way or the other. Um, I think that the real push behind California AB five and behind this pro act that that'll never happen. And these changes with the FMCSA are first of all, self-employed people make terrible slaves. They don't do what they're told when they're told to do it. Um, they're generally in a position to where they can't be forced to do things they don't want to do. And this, this push to push everyone under the banner of an employee is to just create that permanent slave class. Um, and, and for unions, you know, now, of course, we should all know by now, a politician never does or says anything that isn't somehow to connected to getting votes, right? If their lips are moving, it's what, what can I say to guarantee that, that the people that are going to go to the voting booth are going to keep me here for another two or four years. They absolutely couldn't care less about the efficiency of moving freight. They certainly don't care about your ability to make a living. They don't care whether you're a 1099 or W-2, except the extent where they think they're going to get more tax money out of you being a wage slave. But when it all comes down to it, whatever they do on March 11th is not going to affect us in any way. We are a business doing business with a business. Blue Ribbon is a business doing business with a business that is Landstar. So whatever they try to do with this 1099 stuff, it may force, maybe it may force people. And I don't even think this is accurate, but it could possibly force people that are operating a truck as a BCO under a sole proprietorship. It may force them into an LLC. Maybe, but even I, I just, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's just, it's just another stupid distraction um, to keep you off of your game, uh, and and of course to get people riled up. Um, well, most people wouldn't even know about it if it weren't for the um, fear mongers trying to get on social media and make something of it that's not. Um, exactly. Another thing they're trying to do that with is with this new FinCEN um, transparency thing with owners of LLCs. Now spent long time today with my CPA and research. Now I'm going to talk about that something tonight. So it's because it's along the same lines. It means nothing to most people, except if you listen to the fear mongers and then you get all riled up when you think that, you know, uh, there's a problem that doesn't exist and, and it's not for most, most people already provide this information to their state. They just now going to have to provide it to a government agency at the federal level that they haven't been having to do it before, but there's nothing to it unless you really are, uh, a terrorist trying to fund your terror organization, then you might have something to worry about. But we already do that. We fund the IRS. That's the one that, that that's the money making arm of the biggest terrorist organization the world's ever known, right. <laughs> and, and and hasn't stopped anybody from doing it. So I doubt it has any impact on this. Uh, what to me is interesting is, and and probably people won't get this or won't like it, but in the modern time. Most totalitarianism is voluntary. 
It really is. They scare you and terrorize you and terrify you in to making counterproductive decisions out of some fear that some terrible thing is going to happen. And you end up, which we saw that in 2020, there, there were lots of people that signed up for voluntary ter- tyranny. They volunteered for it. You know, oh, yes, here, please. Do, 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 do it. Not only do it to me, I want you to do it to all of my neighbors. And we were in a position where we didn't have to do any of that. Um, uh, people people uh, exchange vulnerability with uh, false security all the time mm-hmm. um, because they sense the need for someone to help them and they'll give away a lot of, a lot of um, privileges, rights, mm-hmm. To to get that temporary aid, think about the COVID uh, deal mm-hmm. and others. You know, you're talking about the Patriot Act of the after nine one one is when all this first yeah. started. Yeah. And um, but you know, when people are scared, they'll give away a lot of what they have for a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. And you see it all the time. You just don't recognize it until somebody points it out to you. Yeah. But it and happens they, every day. You know? And they scream all the time about somebody taking their rights. I'm like, if y'all didn't give away most of your rights, you wouldn't have a problem in right. the first place, but right. you can give exactly. it away. Yeah. They take uh, them because you've, you've, you've illustrated that you'll give them to them. I did a very long uh, white paper about this after the COVID thing. It's on my Facebook page. It's called the great experiment, the mm-hmm. grand experiment. Yeah. Uh, I encourage everybody to read it because it's just, it's about this very thing. The willingness of people to walk away from their God given rights. Um, for the um, Illusion. feeling of of doing good for your better man, you know, for your fellow man, mm-hmm. at the request of the government, <laughs> and not understanding that those rights that you're giving away, you're never going to get back again, and we haven't gotten them back yet. Yeah. And, and that now they see how easy it is to take them, and so they're more inclined to continue to take them because we show no backbone to resist it. I I have this observation. Um, especially being in this position over the last four or five years of, of watching people um, interact in social media. And I don't believe social media is the problem. I think social media is the microscope that has just magnified and showed us uh, an issue that exists, but it didn't create it. It's just, it's just, it's just making it visible like a microscope does, um, you know, something you wouldn't see with the naked eye. Well, you have the responsibility to apply your own filter. It's not filtered for you like the mainstream media is. It's out there in its raw form, and you have to apply the filters. And most people just can't do that. They need somebody else to think for them and tell them what's the best thing to do. Yeah. Um, And Landstar Landstar is a great example because, and it's not just Landstar, but Landstar gives out this very thick BCO resource guide. I think I've got one here somewhere sitting around my desk that has lots of practical information in it. They have a 24 seven, 800 number that you can contact, um, the corporate office. And there are people who are paid full time on staff with benefits and probably paid pretty well, um, to answer questions about permits and answer questions about fuel and taxes and, all of these different things, yet for some reason, they don't pick up the phone and call Jacksonville or Rockford 
They don't call contractor services. They don't call the compliance department. They don't call hazmat. They get on Facebook and they ask people to lie to them. That's basically what they're saying. Hey, I have a question. Okay. Well, there's four or five people lined up. I'll be glad to lie to you right now. Um, I will fabricate something out of thin air, or I'll just repeat something that was fabricated out of thin air. And I will present it to you as the truth. And then you'll never question it. Yeah, and well, here's the, here's the underlying reason behind that, Chris, you know, this, they know if they call the authority, they're going to get the right answer. And probably the answer that they don't want to hear because they're looking for someone to rationalize their bad decision. But if they call other drivers, it's a good chance that half of those have made that stupid decision themselves. And now you've got people supporting your stupid decision as mm -hmm. opposed to uh, illustrating to you how ignorant it was. And that's why they don't want to contact Jacksonville because they're not going to get that support there. They're going to get what should have been done. And, and there'll be some accountability involved. We get this here on a lower, um, lesser number. But, you know, it's easier to look for somebody to, 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 to sympathize with your bad decision. That's easier to live with because now you've found other people that have made the same mistake you are, you have, and now you have strength in numbers as opposed to contacting the person right up front that can answer the question positively. And it probably won't be the answer that you want, but, or, or you, you dread having, but you want the answer that supports your bad decision. That's the psychology behind that. We had a truck breakdown this week and new, Listen, we, we will do, we will move heaven and earth to keep from calling Landstar to repower a load. Um, just because it's messy, it's messy and it's complicated and it's hard and it's expensive and, and expensive. And in most cases, in a lot of cases, we will be able to somehow solve the problem ourselves. Better and, than they will. And so we, we thrashed around, uh, all day looking for, uh, options. And finally, I just, I had to call the re repower department. And I said, look, I've tried everything. I've tried everything that I can think of to try and I've run out of options and I need your help. Um, but that was a tough call to make. It was, it was now, fortunately <laughs> they haven't found anybody and we're probably going to have the truck fixed before um, this ever, this repower ever comes up because I've been, you know, um, I, I had a very interesting conversation with, or a few interesting conversations with, um, a shop foreman this week at a, at a Detroit diesel dealer. That's where the truck's at. And we were at first looking at the potential of about a $15,000 engine repair. And, uh, and it's on a Mercedes engine, by the way. Um, so as you know, we, we, we've been lunatics from day one because of a Mercedes engine. Um, and I'm talking to this guy and of course, well, well do you just want to put a motor in it? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to pay you $35,000 for a reman and another 10,000 to put it in. No, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively confident that I know what's wrong. And, and that proved to be correct. And he just kept pushing back on me. And at one point he said, well, man, that's just a, I said, oh, it's an awful lot of money putting that truck. I said, do you push back as hard when somebody wants to put a $15,000 one box on a Cascadia? Crickets. That, was, that was classic by the way. Crickets. 
Well, well, uh, well, uh, uh, we'll finance it for them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a $15,000 one box, um, that may not have even been the problem in the first place. Um, you know, and, and, and the, the conversation got better today with him. And I, I said, listen, we, we, we've got the bill down to about, I think 9,000 or so, uh, we're going to replace a couple of the heads. We removed all of the heads for inspection. So we got to have six head gaskets and we got to have a bunch of other ancillary parts. But we lost half our audience right now because they don't understand that there's six heads on a Mercedes motor. Yeah. Um, we're going to replace two of the heads. And um, he said, now, uh, he said, now it, it'll take three or four days to get these parts unless we, we use air freight. And I said, we well, use air freight. Well, gosh, that's awful expensive. I said, that truck will make that air freight back in half a day if you'll just fix the damn thing and get it back on the road. I'm not concerned about air freight. I'm concerned about the freight sitting on the trailer that can't move right now because his head's cracked. So let's get the truck back together. And so we finally got to where we're going to get. We get the parts ordered. And I said, listen, there's one more thing. He was like, okay, what's that? I said, I want you to go out there and look this truck. And I don't want them to pull a single piece of broken anything off of that truck to get it out of the way and then put that broken thing back on. So you've got the cooling system empty. So let's look at all the hoses. Let's look at all the shunt lines and cooling pipes and radiator clamps. Please do not take broken stuff off of my truck to get to the issue and then put broken stuff back on it. If it's less than 50 bucks, don't call me. Just do it. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people, they don't. I said, yeah, a lot of people are broke, desperate, and stupid. And I'm not one of those people, okay? I'm interested in you getting this truck back on the road as soon as possible. And let's go make some money because that's what we're all here for is to make money. So I think we finally got through to him. Um but you know, all those exceptions don't came from his experience with dealing with truck drivers, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I was telling him, I watched one at the shop the other day. I think it came in for a wheel seal and they fixed the wheel seal and he goes around the building and his turn signal's not working. And he walks back in the front and he goes, my turn signal's not working. And we're like, okay, well, I mean, we have a look, but it's going to be a, a work order. He's like, well, it was just in the shop. Well, honey, we weren't working on your turn signal. We were working on your wheel seal. We're, we didn't have anything to do with your turn signal not working. So, I, I listen, I can't imagine probably some of the nonsense, which, well, Chris Dolan has got a thousand stories, and they're all gold about these broke-ass truck drivers that come in uh, and basically just want you to duct tape and bail and wire it back together. And then uh, guarantee for, for, for everything that happens to it the next 90 days being your fault. Literally had one get rear-ended the other day. Uh, the trailer got rear-ended and they wanted it. Uh, they, they want to the, squeeze this trailer together and, and buddy, they did. And, and I mean, they wrapped it and <laughs> it was got off this thing, but wrapped it up and the dude took off with it, you know? Uh, so there are so many people that correctly see the opportunity that owning and operating a truck can provide. 
they're like, oh, wow. Okay. I, I can, instead of being the driver, like Larry says, instead of selling yourself at, at wholesale and them selling you at retail, well, go sell yourself at retail, you know, owning the truck can be a very lucrative proposition. And we've got all the data to prove that. However, you cannot be surprised when you're rolling up I-220 in Jackson, Mississippi, and the truck just quits. It just shuts off and, and on the shoulder. And you call a road service, and you pay that guy $500 to come out, and he says, I think your fuel pump's out. Okay, well, he don't want to do a fuel pump on the side of the road in the rain. Okay, fine. So I tow it to Clark Power in Jackson, Mississippi. And I said, I think maybe it's a fuel pump. Well, we get in a fuel pump and it's not, it, it's, and it's not a fuel pump. It's bigger than that. It, which, you know, what we discovered was a cracked head or two and we were losing prime. And it's potentially $15,000. Well, yeah, that's a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of what that truck can make in a year, two years, three years, four years, that's a drop in the bucket. Just write the check. But most people can't write the check, and it's that right there, that $10,000 repair. They can't even tow it to get off the road. Rocky has told us stories of BCOs having to get a Landstar loan to pay for a $350 alignment. Well, what the hell are they going to do when the one box goes out? What are they going to do if it throws a rod? What are they going to do if it breaks a transmission? A $9,000 DT12 automatic. What are you, because it's coming. The, the catastrophic repair is coming. And if you don't have ten or fifteen or $20,000, you're out of business. And you're now your truck's for sale for $5,000. Because that truck broken right now, sitting in that shop is probably worth five grand. But we put this, we put this 10,000 into it. Now all of a sudden it's worth almost 50 to us. It's a, it's mathematically a no brainer. We put it into the calculator and we go, okay, well this, this absolutely makes sense. Let's get this truck fixed. Let's get this driver back on the road, um, and be done with it. But, you know, I, people get into business thinking nothing bad's ever going to happen. Well, that's pretty much all that happens. It's one, you're moving from one crisis to the next. And what's going to separate you from the next guy is how well are you going to handle it? Are or buy a new truck and get a warranty, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, we saw one this week. What was it? It was a new international with 14,000 miles has electrical issues and has been sitting there two weeks. And the guy's like, I, I might lose this truck. Well, if a two week breakdown is going to make you lose the truck, the problem's not the electrical problem. The problem is that you have, have a, a truck. bad business plan. You have a bad business plan. You bought a truck you couldn't afford. And you shouldn't have been in business to begin with. Well, it's cold, isn't it? Yep. Well, I mean, mm. that's certainly true of me. I shouldn't have been in business. You know, it's a miracle. I made it as long as I did. It's it's not being mean. It's just that you can't go into business with no plans, with no backup plans and no 
no way of, 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 of preparing for these, quote, unexpected bad things are going to happen. Uh, there's such thing called Murphy's Law, and it applies 100% in business. It applies sometimes in life. And that you've heard it said, if something's going to go wrong and can go wrong, it will. That's the rule in trucking, not 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 an exception. And um, if you're not prepared for that, if, if your business plan doesn't include ways to get through those uh, those situations, then your business plan is a failure to begin with. And that's just maturity. That's not being mean. That's just telling you that you're doing this and you're not ready yet. If you don't have that reserve, if you're, if you're working right now and you're not making that reserve because you think you've got all this money in your pocket and you're not going to work next week, you're going to take a week off. How about you work and get your reserve account built up and then take off? But people don't think about that. They, they get they work for somebody for a 1099 so they get more of the money in their pocket and not have to give it to the government and they end up not having any more reserve account than if they hadn't been. And now they're working illegal. Now they got all these other issues. Can't pay their taxes and on and on and on. But the bottom line is, you know, you, you work your ass off as much, as much as you can when you can so that when things go wrong, you're prepared for it. But we saw it during the, during the, the, the COVID. I mean, people were making so much money that they could work half the time, make the same money. So that's what they did. And now when things are rough, they can't make it because they didn't save any money when they could have worked all this extra and had all this extra money. But they didn't do it because they're, they were just too lazy to do it. They wanted to only make what they always made and do, and work, do half the work. And that just doesn't work when you don't have any money. Nope. And see, we get we get we get fussed at for that because we we tell it like it is. That's the unsugarcoated God's truth about this. Uh, even though it might make some people feel bad because we feel like we act like we're mean here and cold hearted, we're not. We're just realistic, and we feel like we're warm hearted because we keep you from making these stupid mistakes and doing the things that stupid people do. If you listen to us. Yep. Um. I mean, we. We had a we had a guy today had a blowout on a trailer, right? And it knocked him back a couple of hours, and he could not make a pickup, and so we lost the weekend load. And uh, so Richie was looking for a load, and he said, "I, you know, hey, you you got any ideas?" And I I jumped in there and I did the trip plan ninja thing, and and I booked him a load because I called an agent about one load that was on the board that was already covered. And I know this agent, Lori, and she said, she said, well, Hey, I, I think, I think I've got, I think I've got something else. And I said, well, tell me about it. And she told me about it and I went perfect. It absolutely fixes, uh, our problem. It was actually more money than the load we lost by about $300. Uh, but I had to expand my search and I had to look way out. I had to, I just, I didn't have time to complain about the tire and how long it took loves to get there. Um, I didn't have time to complain about the, uh, the customer and the agent. I just had to fix the problem and fix the problem is what I did. Um, and everything was fine. Um, but, I, and this week, I mean, from Monday morning at seven 30, uh, till sometime Wednesday night, it was just nonstop. It was one little thing right after another. Just, 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 I mean, I was absolutely wore out by the end of Wednesday. Um, now if you're a single truck owner operator, you're not responsible for 11 like I am. So you're not going to, you shouldn't have the level of stuff that, that I do, but, but there's all of these little problems. And when one of them pops up, I've got to boil it all down 
okay, well, I, I'm only going to have one or two options. What are they? And pick which one it is. And, and okay, let's go. Let's, let's do this. Let's move forward. People spend so much time whining and complaining about stuff that they can't control. Let me restate that for you. People waste so much time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I saw something on TikTok today. It was absolutely fascinating. And I'm going to see if I can explain it. Of course, everybody's got a podcast, right? I mean, there's a, there's a million podcasts. And in a lot of cases, it'll be, you know, a couple of people and they're just, they're just having a conversation like we do. Okay. And there's this man and woman and I'm, and I guess their podcast is about, um, business and HR and dealing with employees. And this lady begins to read a, a letter from a listener. And it says my millennial employee, uh, I called my millennial employee in, <clears throat> or maybe it was Gen Z or whatever. I called my Gen Z employee for an eight o'clock meeting and they said, sorry, um, I'm going to be at the gym at that time. And she indicated that this story frustrated her. Well, then it clicks over to a stitch and it's a guy sitting in his car and he begins addressing this woman by name. And he says, Oh, well you didn't, you know, when I was hired, uh, you, you told me it was nine to five and I've got responsibilities outside of work. And if you would have given me a week notice instead of a day notice, maybe I could have moved things, but are you going to pay for my, my gym class? And, uh, are you going to pay me for being there and all of this stuff? And, well, I'm going to send HR an email with a link to this TikTok. Well, I click the original TikTok and it's been deleted. I went, wow. So I guess this lady is talking about this guy and, um, and, and we we'll, were getting to see the, the, the TikTok drama. Well, I did about 30 seconds of, of searching and come to find out this guy does not even work for this lady. He made it up. He completely fabricated this story out of thin air, but the whole comment section and the reason that they took that video down is they were getting absolutely lambasted by thousands and thousands and thousands of trolls that thought this was real. And it was 100% fabricated by this guy. Now I give you credit. You made up a story um, and it took off. It's got 17 million views or something. Um, so, I mean, well done. Uh, you, you got the clicks that you wanted, but that wasn't even the frustrating part about it. It's reading these comments. Well, I can't wait to see the lawsuit. Th th there's not going to be a lawsuit. It's not real. It's fake. It's made up. It didn't happen, but you'll never, there will be people years from now that could be sitting in a bar going, Hey man, you remember the time that lady did that thing? And that guy clapped back thinking, and they will think forever that that was real. That's the danger of not having the curiosity of where it hooks you and you go, Oh, wow. That's interesting. I wonder if it's true. I read this thing about the FMCSA in March 11th. Okay. I wonder if it's true. Well, you know, I heard this thing about brokers. I wonder if it's true, but they never get that part. They'll take something 
that confirms their existing buy. Well, brokers are dirtbags and brokers take 50% of the rate. And then they lock themselves in this tightly sealed echo chamber where they can never, ever hear anything conflicting what they already believe. And they'll get in there with a bunch of people that will just keep reinforcing that thing that is absolutely verifiably untrue. And they will never hear anything different. If you just want to be an employee the rest of your life, that's fine. Go live that way. But if you try to get into business without having that curiosity, how does that work? How does my air brake system work? What is an air dryer? How do, you know, you know, you know what I mean? It, it, what is an alternator and how does it work? Like if you cut yourself off, now you're putting yourself at risk of automatically ceding authority to someone that maybe has their name on their shirt and maybe has a, a badge of some sort that says they're certified and they don't know any more than you do, but you'll be like, Oh, well, uh, uh, well he said, he said, and, and as soon as he said it, I'm completely absolved of all responsibility because the mechanic said, No, no, you have to question everything, everything you've ever believed, everything you're told. And it's not to be um, contrarian and it's not to be just disbelieving of everything you hear. It's just be curious and, 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 and look beyond and say, okay, was what this person telling me, is it true? Uh, and if it is true, who benefits from it being true? It's just asking some questions and having some curiosity because you'll never survive in business if you're sitting around waiting for somebody to tell you what to do. Because and you find out the, the, the truth on your own. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and the competition is going to pass you by because those of us that know how to solve those problems, um, well, we're just going to, we're just going to go around you while you're sitting there trying to figure out what to do. Or, uh, oh, what was the one a few weeks ago? The the guy was losing his truck or something, and and he kept talking about all these problems. And as well, the truck sat for six months in the dealership. Well, listen, I mean, we've got a couple Cascadias, and I know how troublesome they can be. But I promise you my truck's not going to sit there for six months because I'm going to go find the parts. I'm going to find him somewhere because I'm going to go around the parts guy because he has absolutely no incentive. He gets paid the same, whether your truck's sitting in a parking lot for six months or not, the service manager and the, and the, the service advisor and the technicians, they could not care less. The only person that's going to care whether or not that truck's moving to make money is you. So you better stand up. You better get in there and say, okay, well, you, you guys are obviously not do anything, but I'm, I'm going to do it. What, what, what's the VIN number? What's the part number? I will, I will go find and solve this problem myself. If you're not willing to do that, please don't get into business because it's We've going been to known to pull it out of the shop and have somebody else come in the parking lot and fix it for them. I'm sorry. Say it again. So we've been known to pull it out of the shop and have somebody come and work, work on it in their parking lot and fix it on their parking lot. 
Yeah. That's literally happened. Um, There's a part that they said they didn't have. Mm-hmm. That we bought from their camp off across their counter. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not, again, it's, it's not to be hateful. Okay. But you just got to understand nobody's going to care as much about your business as you do. You know, um, you're the person that has to take charge. And there are times as the fleet manager of this fleet, um, that I've been in a situation where I'm talking to a shop and I tell them, well, here's what we're going to do. And they say, well, no, no, we're not. And I'm like, hold on, stop. Who's paying the bill? Well, you are. Well, who, that means who's in charge? I am. So you are going to tell, you're going to do what I tell you to do, or I will tow this truck out of here if I have to. I will spend 500 or $1,000. If you're going to stand around with your thumb up your butt and not fix this truck, I will tow this sucker out of here. So fast it'll make your head spin. Get out of the way because I'm in charge. You're not in charge. When you are, when you are momentarily my employee because I'm contracting you to do a job, you better do what the hell I tell you to, or you're not going to be getting paid anymore. But, you know, people, they don't like confrontation and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Listen, I'll hurt you. They don't mind hurting themselves. I'll hurt your feelings in a heartbeat. Okay. Your feelings are no concern of mine when I'm trying to run a business, when I'm trying to serve a customer, when I'm trying to get a truck fixed, I, I, I don't give a shit about your feelings. Um, we're going to get this truck fixed, you know? Uh, and the, the story you're talking about with the clutch in Knoxville, they, they lied. They lied to a BCO and said they didn't have the part yet. When we towed the truck out, the, the shop that we called to fix it went into their, sh- their parts counter and bought the part they said they didn't have. After we told them that the part number had been superseded. Right. Well, I had, we had to tell them that they didn't know. know that on their own. Right. It, it And saved him $4,000, by the way. Yeah. And how much time, how much downtime weeks? Uh, it was, it, well, they, of course they said, their their work est- work order estimate said no ETA available because we don't have the parts. Right. So were they going to leave him sitting there a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month? Who knows? But he broke down on Monday morning at four o'clock and he was hauling freight Friday when I got involved. So the truck went from being down an undetermined amount of time to being down four and a half days and back hauling freight because I intervened. And I four thousand dollars less money. For $4,000 less money, I picked up the phone and I made some phone calls and I figured out how to get that truck moving in five days. Now, this one that's broke down right now went down on Thursday and all indications, as long as FedEx don't lose the parts, that truck's probably going to be back on the road uh, Tuesday, you know? So what, three and a half, four business days for a catastrophic repair? Um, We just don't have time to mess around when we're out here trying to haul freight, make money. Our driver needs to get paid. Our truck owner needs to get paid. Agents need to get paid. Everybody needs to get paid and nobody's getting paid. If that truck is sitting in a dealership for three or four, five, six weeks, um, it's, it's just, it's, and it's up to you. Nobody's going to fix it for you. 
Um, if you want somebody to fix it for you, go get you a good company job and somebody will take care of it for you. They'll give you another truck. But if you're going to be an owner operator, you better get ready to be in charge of everything. Uh, you cannot, I mean, to an extent, you know, you can hire an accountant or you can hire a CPA, but even then, uh, if you're not doing your own bookkeeping, that CPA is going to get a big chunk of your money at the end of the year. So you better learn how to do proper accounting. We got a question here we need to answer. Go ahead. David or Daryl, he's asking, do you own Blue Ribbon or just work there? I think he meant work there. But well, uh, let me clarify that for you, Daryl. I own Blue Ribbon. My wife and I own Blue Ribbon. Chris is our world-renowned, uh, established, best fleet manager on the planet. And he's worth every penny of the salary that I pay him to do his job. Um, we wouldn't be here without him. He is a valued employee, but I'm smart enough to know that I have to have people around me smarter than me if we're going to be successful. And whatever it is I can't do, I make sure whoever I hire can do it. And we certainly didn't miss the mark with this guy. So uh, he is our fleet manager. Uh, he has complete authority over the fleet as if it was me talking. Uh, he consults with me on an hourly basis about decisions. But we generally put our heads together and make decisions together. Uh, he is technically an employee, but I look at him more as a partner than an employee. So I hope that answers your question. Chris, you can add to that if you want. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility that falls on me because I'm the fleet manager. I'm the maintenance coordinator. I'm a, you know, trainer and mentor and advisor. I mean, I'm, I wear a lot of hats. Um, I saw some. He also has a thick wallet. <laughs> I saw some TikTok the other day about, uh, uh, making a resume, you know, for people that don't know. And then, well, what are your, what are your skills and qualities? I thought well, if I wrote all that shit down that I've, that I've <laughs> gathered up over the last, five nobody years, believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do you, where do you, where do you find to get that experience, buddy? Yeah. yeah. This is Dean, how we do yeah. it. Yeah. Fleet manager. What's that commercial? We know a lot cause we do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what that's at the farmers, farmers insurance. Farm, yeah. 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 We, 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 we've something about, we've seen a lot. We, we've seen a lot too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know some shit cause I've seen some shit, you know, we've seen some shit. Yeah. 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 We've done some shit. Um, uh, but you know, I'm on, I'm going to tell you that, that, that what got me to where I am today is curiosity, you know, and a willingness to learn ask questions and learn and, yeah. and, and, and throw some things away. You know, there are yeah. some, there are some things that I once deeply held that I no longer hold, you know, and that's, uh, that's sometimes hard. Let me stroll through. Well, that. That's, that's, that's constant search for the truth and not letting people tell you what it is. Um, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, I can't, back to this question, I can't, um, compliment, um, my key employee, Chris Polk enough. He is, uh, he is a, he's a, um, not only a key employee, but he's become a great friend. And uh, we together have uh, done things that uh, no one, ne neither one of us could have accomplished individually. We are, we are the yin and the yang. Everything that he uh, is shortcoming on, uh, I tend to have that strength and the opposite goes for him. Things that I'm horrible at, he's very good at. And we experienced that this week because I, as we said last week, I had a little mini stroke last week and took me off my game for a few days. And Chris had to step up and filling in my shoes. Well, when filling in my shoes, he also changed them a little bit. So when I went to put them back on, they don't fit exactly like they did before because he took the opportunity to, to improve on some things that I was doing. And, um, 
you know, that's just what we, that's how we, that's how we work together is, is we it, it, uh, acknowledge and, and, and respect each other's strengths and weaknesses, but it, together it makes us stronger. It makes us a much, much stronger team because of the fact that we have that relationship. And Chris, I've told you before, I really thank you for doing that this week. Yes, sir. You're welcome. It was my pleasure as the Chick-fil-A people would say. <laughs> William Haynes says the Statue of Liberty should have a twin called the Statue of Personal Responsibility. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, um, Chris got in the program. Um, he, he, was the, he was the one that kept me doing this. I had a dream, and y'all can read about this or, or watch it on the podcast if you go back to 49, 50, 51, long in there, but um, we, where Chris tells my story, but I had this concept that, that my business experience could help people in the trucking business. I just didn't know, know how to get the word out. And uh, I was I was frustrated, about ready to give up on it because all I was getting were truck drivers. I wasn't getting these kind of people like we have now. And uh, Chris Polk answered the call. Uh, we found each other just happenstance on Facebook. and But he was exactly the person that I needed to, to, to prove that this thing worked. And I was exactly what he needed to get him, his situation turned around. And, um, I think he will acknowledge that to this day that he's much better now for joining forces with me. I know I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and together we've, we've kind of let this evolve into what it is today. It's pretty much what we started out with, but the, the big difference now is that we have this outreach called the podcast that, that provides us with the people that, that, that want to learn this because they've, watched hours and hours and hours of this podcast and they understand what the problems are in the industry and how we have uh, problems uh, or, or answers for those problems, albeit hundred uh, percent different than most people would, would answer them. Uh, but that again, going back to that truth searching, that's what we are. We are the truth that you search for when you're trying to find out about how to run a trucking company. Um, yeah. We'll tell you the truth. I always it might not be popular. It might not be, shared by very many other people that's why they call us lunatics but the problem the the, the bottom line is that the we have the proof of concept and it's we've proven it over and over and over again i always proven it today this very day so i always love the ones that um it's a backhanded it's a backhanded remark well um uh everybody doesn't do business the way you do okay well it doesn't work for everybody well that's where you're wrong because having a low cost of operation, um, having an efficient operation works every time, every time in every market. It worked <clears> when for every rate, business. It right. It worked when the rates were $5 a mile and it works when the rates are $2 a mile. Um, and it works so, for hamburger stands and trucking companies and whorehouses. It, it doesn't matter what kind of business it is. Uh, it will always work better if you lower your cost of doing business. And, and, are, and are interested in doing what it takes to do that. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I wish, you know, it's a, was there one thing? Yeah, here's one thing. And it doesn't matter if you have your own authority. It doesn't matter if you're leased to a carrier. It doesn't matter if you have a paid-for truck or you have a truck payment or you're leasing a truck. It does not matter. Here's the one thing. If you can't hustle, don't do it. If you cannot get up off of your butt and work when you don't want to work and work when you don't feel like working, and if you can't 
don't have the ability to maybe even look at your family and say, sorry, guys, I can't right now. Do not buy a truck. Don't or go into business or go into business. Like don't, don't do it. If you can't hustle. It requires 100% commitment from you, your family. Um, Yep. There's there's no, there is no substitute for the, the effort and the commitment that you have to put out. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they get in business to get revenge on their boss. If you're trying to replace your boss, you, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. That's yep. not the reason to do it. The only reason you do this is if you had, you've always had that burning, you know, that burning in your gut to, to, to be your own boss, to be able to leave your own legacy, to be able to uh, establish yourself and establish a product or a service that is superior to what you have found and, and experienced yourself. Uh, and if you're doing it just because you don't like the way your boss acts or you don't like the way he does things, you're going to find out very soon that he does a lot of things you don't have any idea he does. And if you knew everything he did, you wouldn't hate him so much because most people who fail in business are trying to do this because they don't like their job and they want to replace their job with their own business. And that's a horrible way to do this, a horrible reason to do it. Um, being in business for yourself is, is the most rewarding thing in the world, but you have to understand it requires 100% commitment. And even though people say that they, they throw that word out there, 110%, all the time. There's no such thing as 110%. Most people can't hardly pull together 50%, much less 110. But to do this and to do any business and be successful, you have to give it 100%. That means everything that you can muster every time, every day, every minute, uh, regardless of the other things that you want, we wish you could do. uh, Those all become secondary. The closest thing to having a business is having a baby. And you all know how that's like, what that's like, you know, there's no, um, there's no giving it back. There's no, you know, you, once you make that commitment, you've got it and you've got it for 18 years. This is not much different than that. Um, fortunately nobody dies. If you, if you, if you fail, well, hopefully nobody dies, but, right. but, uh, your business certainly dies and, and all the benefits that go with it will die with it. And all the financial freedom that you could have had with it dies with it. But you have to understand when you start this out, it's not a, it's not an easy decision. It's not one that you do just because you don't like something your boss did. Don't do it because uh, you found a you found a good deal on a truck and, you know, I just couldn't pass it up. You always can pass it up because you don't realize what you're getting yourself into until you pull the curtain back and see what it's like, which is why we do what we do. We've had a lot of people that come here that did not stay and succeed. It's not because they couldn't do it. They decided after pulling the curtain back that this is not what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Their idea of owning a truck was different than what reality was. Does that mean they failed? No, it just means that they got a dose of reality without going into debt, $150,000, and and then going bankrupt to get out. So uh, we have a lot of people come here and and are highly successful. We have some that are coming here and avoid disaster. I look at both of those as successes. You know, Uh, obviously we want to have as many people come here and be financially successful as possible, but some people aren't cut out for this and they don't know it until they get here and get in the truck and find out what it's like to have to do with the things you have to do to run a profitable business. Because there's a big difference between driving a truck and driving a truck for profit. And people find out that the first week here, and sometimes that makes them uneasy, uncomfortable. Why do you have such high revenue goals? Because that's what it takes to make money. Yep. Um, So that's, you know, they find out that all the reasons that we do things are are the the way that businesses in general across the board, things that they do to stay in business and to be successful in business. We just give it to them on a grassroots level here. 
probably got good uh chris tim uh, took good time chris to uh remind people what we do here and what what because a lot of people get confused when they watch our podcast about what we do y'all y'all truck drivers or brokers or what so once you take a man explain to people what, exactly what we do here and why we do it well we do it <clears throat> excuse me um i have uh uh <clears throat> um what we do here is we provide an opportunity for you to learn uh like karate kid wax on wax off right now if you don't get that reference go watch the original one but in that movie he's teaching him to wax the car and paint the fence and paint the house and all this stuff and he doesn't realize what he's learning while he's working and what we do is we give you the opportunity we show you the daily routines and habits that you have to have as a business owner there are things that we do that are absolutely unnecessary for a company driver for an employee doesn't matter but if you want to be in business and you want to stay in business and succeed in business your daily life and every decision that you make and every process has to be habitual. You have to have the habits of a business owner. And so we teach you that over 18 months. Um, it's 18 months because, um, you know, we've got to get his 50 years of business and my 25 years of trucking into you in 18 months and we need 18 months of profitable operation um, to help pay for it because we won't charge you anything for it you're just learning while you work but we take a lot of risk because people come in to a very finely tuned highly profitable operation that takes that hustle that i was talking about um and it's it's kind of like you know if you turned a treadmill wide open and tried to step on it. Well, if the first time you do that, you're going to fall. And so people come in in the first few weeks and they make a lot of mistakes and those mistakes cost money. They're either in lost revenue or bad fuel mileage. Um, so we take a lot of risk on the front end of your experience here because we have to eat your mistakes. You know, if you're the guy that comes in here that we really like, and you work four or five months and you lay a truck over and destroy the truck, the trailer, the load and the property. Well, we're paying those thousands of dollars in deductibles. If, if you come in and you don't get the calculator out and you don't trip plan well, and we lose a load, we don't make any money. Now, of course the driver always gets paid. The driver gets paid first before anybody else. We get what's left over. So we take a lot of risk. And so it's expensive on that side. And that's why we need 18 months so that you can generate enough profit with that truck to make up for those mistakes that you're going to make in the beginning. It's going to happen. There's no avoiding it. Now we have people that come in and they don't make a lot of mistakes or they're just little mistakes. And we have people that come in and make huge mistakes, very expensive mistakes and they wreck trucks and they, uh, they tear up equipment and transmissions and engines. And that's another thing. Everybody's like, oh, you know, oh, I'm going to, I want to get multiple trucks. Ooh, boy, you better get some Pepto-Bismol brother, because 
you know, people, when you, nobody, and, and I learned this from Larry, and he learned it the hard way, nobody is ever going to drive your truck the way you drive it. They're not going to take care of it the way you would take care of it. They're not going to make as much money as you make. They're not going to manage the expenses as well as you do. And I'm, and I can't wait for, and Seth could talk about this because he's moved on now. He's a BCO. Um, it would be, I want to follow a few of the next people that graduate from the program, because I promise you they're going to get better fuel mileage in their truck than we, than they do in ours. You know why? Because they're paying it's their money. <clears throat> it's their money. They're going to make better decisions, or they should, in their truck than they will in ours because they're financially tied to it. It's uh, not that they were purposely doing it here. It's just that right. naturally the human instinct is when it affects you, you try harder. Yep. So, and and, and my mission in life, my, uh, you know, uh, to use a you know religious term, people talk about their ministry. Well, this that's what this is for me. Um, I would absolutely not be involved in this uh, if we were just hiring truck drivers and hauling freight. I have absolutely no desire to just give people jobs. Um, I would not put up with what we have to put up with um, if it was just hiring truck drivers and giving them jobs. I have no desire to do that. I do this because I do not want anyone to experience what I did, which was uh, a complete collapse of my entire life. Almost lost my home. Almost lost my family. We're almost foreclosed and repossessed because of bad decisions that I made in business. And I know that people, once they figure out that there's an opportunity in being in business, there's an opportunity in owning a truck. I want them to understand that if you do it the right way, it can be incredibly lucrative. It can be incredibly freeing, can give you unbelievable levels of, of levels of liberty that you would not otherwise experience. But if you do it wrong, it will destroy your life. And so, and you unfortunately the industry tends to lead people into the path of doing it wrong. Yes. Because absolutely. there's money to be made for you doing it wrong. <clears throat> Um, yeah, they benefit off of you doing it wrong. And, uh, that, and that's what, that's what kills me with these, these people that make excuses for these giant corporations, the carriers and these leasing companies and these banks and these factoring companies that are making money off of you and you're defending them. They're right They're They're absolutely raping you blind. And maybe it's because you don't think there's another option, okay? But that's really no excuse. But these people are robbing you, and and y'all make excuses for them. These carriers signing truck drivers up for these massive, massive lease payments. Uh, saw one on TikTok one day, $5,600 a month. That's just the payment. It doesn't account the escrows that they're charging and the maintenance accounts they're charging and the tire accounts they're charging. It's insane that people sign up for this. And if y'all would quit signing up for it, they would quit doing it, you know, but yet here we are and they keep doing it because y'all keep signing up for it, but it's slavery. It's indentured servitude and you're 
signing up for it voluntarily. Stop it. Just stop doing it. It's not worth it to let these corporations, giant, massive corporations, publicly traded companies, uh, get away with robbing you when you don't have to do it that way. Now, the way, their way's the easy way. Hey, just sign this. Just sign this contract. No, we won't let a lawyer look at it, but just sign it. That's all you have to do. If you do it our way, well, gosh, you've got to live below your means, and you've got to get yourself out of debt, and you've got to save up cash. Well, that's the hard way. But I've never found anything worth doing that wasn't hard. You know. So that's what we do here. We provide an opportunity for you to come and see how a very well-run, very efficient operation um, that is making incredible profits in a time where carriers are dropping like flies because they can't afford to operate. Yet here we are, land stores taking 35% of our money, and yet we're unbelievably profitable. You know, um, it's just it's just crazy. But... Y'all keep signing up for it because you don't know how to question anything. You know, are, are these are these giant corporations really doing what's best for me? No, they're not. They're absolutely not doing what's best for you. They're doing what's best for them, and they're sucking you into it. And then and then y'all sign up for 1099s as, as truck drivers, as employees, and let them get you to pay their taxes for them. It's, it's insane. And they make you think it's to your advantage. Yeah, yeah, they convince you that paying their taxes for them is a good deal for you. Yeah. Uh, I saw a question here. Here it is, Mark. I have a 2022 Freightliner Cascadia. The dealer can't fix my fuel tank. Imagine that. It will only suck up 130 to 140 gallons of diesel. Any thoughts? Yeah, you got a crossover problem. That, yeah, to me, that sounds like uh, but you would think it would be losing prime, but you're uh, no, he's, he, it's the same problem we have with 215. He's 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 returning fuel more in one tank more than he is the other one. He's yeah. not got no, he's running one of them out of fuel, and the other one's not. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a tank um, equalization problem. Yeah, because you got to tanks are connected together and they should equalize so they're both got the same amount of fuel in them all the time. Now, uh, don't don't expect the dealer to fix it. They can't. I spent no. thousands of dollars trying to get that fixed. Couldn't and do Carl, it. And Carl, Carl fixed found it, it in fifteen seconds and fixed it for fifty bucks. Now, yeah. here's the thing, though. Okay, a lot of these new Cascadias, because of the one box, will have a smaller fuel tank on one side than they do on the <laughs> other. Okay. Now, that makes me guess and wonder and question. Uh, like on our old trucks, both tanks are the same size. So the fuel is, is taken to a T and run up to the engine. The engine does not use all of the fuel that it brings up there. And so it returns it. Well, if your tanks are the equal size, it doesn't matter how it flows. It's just going back and going into both tanks. But there, wouldn't there have to be some sort of engineering when you have two different size tanks? so that one does not get overfilled, right? It sounds reasonable, yes. So <clears throat> I think I'm on something there. So that would lead me to believe that 
there's something in the return lines. I think we just lost Larry. Um, there's something in the return lines that would prevent that smaller tank from being overfilled, you know? So let me consult something here. Yeah. Larry's internet has gone to crap. Can you still hear me, Larry? Uh, barely. You might have to reset your router or something. Cause you, he's been having internet trouble at home. Um, but you're definitely having some sort of issue. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm only getting every other word. You might have to reset the router or something. Um, I am going to move forward here. Um, Dwayne Johnson, do you see any change in logistics upward trend? Yeah, I do. Um, uh, th- because you got to understand this is a cycle. Um, uh, <clears throat> we're in a cycle that, um, uh, that happens and has happened since the dawn of time, really. Um, it goes up. And when it goes up, a bunch of people jump in because they see big profits because big profits are there. And then too many people get in and the, and the market conditions shift. And there, now there's too many trucks and not enough loads and the, and the, the, um, uh, the, the rates drop. Okay. Well then a bunch of people that jumped in have their costs are too high and then they go out of business. Um, and so right now we're in this waiting period, waiting for these people to go out of business and leave the industry. That's what we're waiting for. Cause if you look at the actual metrics of the available loads, the economy is not terrible. It's, it's actually better now in 2024 than it was in like 2017, 2018, as we were going into the rise up, um, so, but people are, I saw a TikTok today. It's the worst economy in 12. Well, it's not really. The economy itself is not terrible. There are too many trucks because too many people got in in 2020 and 2021. If all of those people had not gotten in, in the gold rush, we wouldn't have an issue right now because there wouldn't be too many trucks. So, um, as that capacity begins to fall, I'm 100% confident that we're going to see the rates back up. But that's why we teach this business model. We teach this business model because it works right now when the rates are down and it works when the rates are up. Yeah, he's still gone. His internet must have crapped out on him. Um, can you please tell me who you guys use to inframe a Series 60? Well, send me an email, uh, brlspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, cause I'm not putting that out on the air. I'm not sure that that guy wants to be put on the air, but B R L S podcast at gmail.com. It's on the, um, link in bio on TikTok. It's, it's everywhere. Uh, let me go back over here. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, looking at comments. I got in trouble for paying for fuel using cash. Uh, let's see. I'm not sure what that means. That, well, what that could mean, um, if you get in trouble for paying cash, 
like here at Landstar, um, if you pay cash for fuel, you have to turn that receipt in so it can be counted toward IFTA. You know, our IFTA is tracked by our fuel purchases through Comdata, and then our ELD is counting up all of the miles. And so if you're if you're buying fuel kind of off off the books and it's not being accounted for IFTA, that can cause you a problem. Let me send um, Larry a text. Uh, your out. Internet out. Um, so that that's how you can get trouble, you know, paying cash for the fuel. Uh, all right. Uh, no more. Do you guys hire right out of truck driving school? Unfortunately, we do not. Lane Star requires the people that we hire have uh, one year of verifiable over the road experience. So we cannot hire people directly out of school. Uh, we found a school down in, it's in Louisiana or Mississippi called three girls trucking Academy or something like that. Um, and they train on manual. So I would highly recommend you look them up on Facebook, Google, whatever, three girls trucking something. Um, but they do, uh, they do training on manuals. Um, and so if you don't have driving experience and you want to do this program, um, highly recommend you get trained on a manual and you go find a company that will hire you and train you on a manual. Um, and not stick you with an automatic and whatever you do, do not go to one of these schools. That's going to stick you with an automatic transmission restriction on your license. Uh, yeah. Looks like Larry has left the chat. He's had all kinds of internet problems this week. So I guess that's why. How long have we been going anyway? We've going an hour and three minutes. Um, well, I guess I need y'all to, ask some questions or something, give me something to talk about because I have just about run out of things to talk about at this point. Um, trying to roll through these comments, make sure I didn't. Oh, okay. What is cost plus on fuel? Okay. So cost plus, um, is basically what it sounds like. You're doing a deal with a truck stop chain and the, what they're doing is they're giving you fuel at cost plus usually one or two pennies. When I first came to Landstar, TA and Petro were cost plus, and Pilot and Loves were a standard 25 cents off of the cash price. In the last year or two, Loves and Pilot, Flying J, have started doing cost plus as well, but they started out not doing it in every state. And now I think I've seen where somebody is talking about doing cost minus, meaning somehow they're selling you the fuel for less than what they paid for it. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Must be some kind of rebate program. So um, for the longest time, um, you could, about 99% of the time, you could count on TA and Petro having the cheapest fuel for BCOs. Uh, wasn't always true. You always had to check because sometimes what you'll see is as the price goes up, the discount will start on that cost plus will start to shrink. And I can always tell when fuel prices, retail prices are getting ready to drop because all of a sudden our, our discount will get massive. I've seen our cost plus be as little as 20, 25 cents. 
And then all of a sudden it'll go to a dollar twenty-five, a dollar fifty, dollar seventy. I mean, it'll just be this massive. And I'm like, okay, retail prices are getting ready to crash because the 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 wholesale cost has dropped so much. Um, so there were times as the fuel prices started to rise that those places that had the standard 25 cents off would be a few pennies cheaper. But then on the other side of that, when the wholesale price dropped, then the cost plus would be way, way less than 25 cents a gallon. Since Landstar came out with the Landstar One app a couple of years ago, uh, it's made buying fuel um, almost brainless. You know, you open the app and it's green. Okay, well, it's green. That's that's the cheapest in that radius that I'm looking at. And so I can follow my route if I'm going to Ohio to Texas. You know, right now, I saw fuel in Ohio today for like 260 something and down in, you know, Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas, it's $3, you know, uh, it's usually the opposite of that. A lot of times it'll be higher up here than it is down there, but this time it's opposite, you know? So I set up a fuel routing for someone today to fill up in Ohio and Ohio and Arkansas because those were the two cheapest it was like the Flying J in Franklin, Ohio, and the TA in Prescott, Arizona, because those were the cheapest that I could find on that route. And you always buy fuel when it's on sale. So I don't care if you bought fuel 300 miles ago. If you're passing the cheapest place you're going to get to in the next 600 miles, you better fill up. <clears throat> uh, what companies do I recommend for a rookie driver? I really can't. I used to say that you could pretty much go anywhere. It didn't matter. You know, you could get your experience at Swift or Schneider, US Express, didn't matter. But now that they've gone all automatic um, and the institutionalization of the, of the thing has gotten so bad, um, I'm going to recommend, and you're just going to have to do the work. You know, you're just going to have to make a lot of phone calls and talk to a lot of different people and you're going to have to look for smaller carriers that are willing to take the risk. And it's a big risk hiring new drivers. You're going to have to find smaller carriers that are, um, that are keeping older trucks, you know, or they're, you know, run by kind of old school people that don't, don't like automatics, but they're not easy to find. And the only way you're going to find them is Google searches and making phone calls. And, and it's not easy, unfortunately. Um, you're just going to have to do a lot of, uh, a lot of research and a lot of legwork and a lot of phone calls in order to find those. Cause they are, they're getting much, much harder to find. Send fill a gallon of max mileage. Okay. Um, uh, um, okay. How do you break down the IFTA company discount, et cetera, on fuel purchases? Is there a website outside of Landstar that can help other operators? Um, yeah, there's one called, let me Google it real quick, make sure I remember. I think it's find fuel stops. Truck master fuel finder. Yeah, it's findfuelstops.com. And so you can put in an origin and a destination and you can filter, um, different truck stop chains. 
Um, and then it, it will ask you, it's been a long time since I used this, um, where you want to remove the IFTA um, from that. Because what you're interested in um, is the cost of the fuel. You do not buy fuel based on IFTA ever. Um, if you, it, it, the IFTA does not matter when you are choosing where to fuel. IFTA is a consumption tax. It is not a sales tax. IFTA is calculated on the number of gallons you burn in a state. So if you don't like Pennsylvania's 70 some cents per uh, gallon fuel tax, your only option is to not drive in Pennsylvania. If you drive in Pennsylvania, you owe them for fuel tax, period. The fuel tax is paid in at the pump the same way that uh, that FICA is pulled out of your paycheck every week. All right. And then at the end of the year, you file a return and you've either paid too much or you paid too little. If the works the same way, it's filed quarterly. You're paying if the tax every time you buy fuel. And when the, the, uh, ca the return is calculated, you have a paid too much and you get a refund or B you've not paid enough and you have to pay. That's it. So we do not consider IFTA when we are buying fuel. I want to know what's the cost of the fuel, what we'll call the, um, uh, the net fuel price. So there's, a, there's the marquee, and in our case, there's the Landstar discount taken out, and then there's the IFTA taken out. I want to know what's the cost of the net fuel price, and that's how I will make my decision. I, don't, I could not care less how much IFTA is. People that tell you to only buy it in the high-tax states or only buy it in the low-tax states, they can't use one of these. Oops. The calculator, okay? You do not make decisions on where you buy fuel based on IFTA, period, ever. doesn't matter. If you drive in that state, you owe that state for tax, period. So you never, ever, ever consider fuel tax when you are buying fuel. You want to know what the cost of the fuel. So um okay, Jack Knife TV. If this is not my strong suit, but I always get a rebate, that doesn't matter. And the way I was informed when I first started years ago is to try to get fuel in the state that you run in the most once in a while to keep if the low. No, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. If you buy all of your fuel in um, West Virginia, where it's 35.7 cents, um, and then you drive all of your miles in Pennsylvania, you owe Pennsylvania fuel tax, okay? And there's, there's one way, there's two ways you're going to pay it. You're going to pay it when you uh, buy that fuel, or you're going to write them a check. The only way to avoid Pennsylvania's high fuel tax is to not drive in that state, period. So if you make a decision to buy fuel based on IFTA, you could be paying too much for the fuel. That's what we're trying to get to. Let's just buy the diesel and let the fuel tax work itself out with the return. 
um, uh, the, the, the rebate at the end of the year, you could look at your statement and say, well, I've got a rebate every time. Okay. But how much, in what cases did you pay too much for the fuel because you were trying to get a rebate? It's like people that have their employer pull more money out of their checks so that they get a big return from the government at the end of the year. Well, you're going to pay the tax either way. So why not? I'll take the money and not give the government an interest free loan. I would rather take that money and put it in the savings account and make now three or 4% on it, than give it to the government and let them use it for free. So we do not ever make decisions based on fuel tax. And like I said, with Landstar, it's super easy. You open the Landstar one app and it says, get fuel here. Um, uh, but, um, so Larry says he's watching on his phone on TikTok and he doesn't have internet. Okay. So that sucks, but is what it is. If the starts more fights than Budweiser, man, um, you know, and to me, it's, it's super simple to understand. You just have to separate them. IFTA is something that you're going to pay, whether you paid at the pump or you write them a check. The diesel, and we always give this example in our training session. There's a TA on I-90 in Kingsville, Ohio, and there's a TA on I-90 in Erie, Pennsylvania. Let me open up. I'm going to open up Landstar 1 right now, uh, and I'm going to go to the TA in Kingsville. Okay, here's both of them right here. I'm looking at them on my phone. All right, right now, the TA in Kingsville is 260, and the TA in Erie is 280. That's the net cost of the fuel. In Pennsylvania, the fuel tax is 78 cents, and the fuel tax in Ohio is 47 cents. Now, in this case, which is rare, the fuel is actually cheaper in Ohio than it is in Pennsylvania. But there are lots of times, and here's, here's what it looks like. It just shows up as green. It's kind of blurry. But in most cases uh, that I have seen, the TA in Erie will be cheaper. Oh, we have Larry back. Cheap. All right, mute, mute yourself. I'm good. No, yeah. I just heard it in my ear and just all of a sudden heard you, heard you talking. So I'm back. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. So, I don't know how long, but here I am. So, what we can't do, okay, is we can't, like, and I used to run I 90 every single week. Every week I would go on my dedicated run. I went 79 across 68, up 81, up into upstate New York, came back across 90 back down 79 or 77 back home. And I had to look every single week to make sure, was I going to get fuel in Erie or was I going to get fuel in Kingsville because it would change, right? I couldn't just say, oh, well, it's always cheaper in Pennsylvania. Uh, Jeffersonville, Ohio TA was notoriously forever the cheapest fuel around, but you cannot rely on that. You've got to do the math every single day. You've got to open, if you're at Landstar, you've got to lo open Landstar 1, 
every single day and check where that fuel is cheapest. Effingham, Illinois, there's a pilot, a Flying J, a TA, and a Petro. And on any given day of the week, any one of those four can be cheaper than the other one, but you'll never know unless you open the app and look. All right. Uh, I'm looking through some more. Oh, yeah. There is an entire episode on IFTA um, that we have done. I can't tell you right offhand what number it's it is. It's pretty early on, Chris. Uh, well, we redid it. We made another. We up, We did an updated version. There's an early one, and then we did an updated version. I don't know. It's went probably within the last year, so it's in the hundreds somewhere. But you can go to the website, blueribbonlogistics.com, and you can see a whole list of the audio, and then you can go to our YouTube channel and just search through until you find it. Um, let's see. Looking more... Uh, looking through more comments, see if any more questions, usually if to gets everybody fired up. Um, yeah, I don't see much. <sighs> well, I'm glad we have you back, but I'm not sure we have much left to talk about. Um, Rolling with Ryan said he finally caught y'all live. Well, welcome rolling with Ryan. Phil's talking about Phil's got people talking. Um, I think I wouldn't testify to this, but I think if you're an outside carrier, don't you get access to Landstar one? I've, I've heard that. Yes. <clears throat> I can't testify to it. Uh, but that fine fuel stops. And, and what's, what's the guy we interviewed? Uh, um, the guy out in Colorado has got that, um, what's the name of that company? Um, somebody here. I can't think of the name of his company. The, the, um, the guy that has all the fuel data and the mileage right, data. Right. I can't think of the name of his company. Somebody remember for us. Um, but he's got a, they, they, their job, um, there we go. Phil said episode 179 is the F episode. Um, but their job is gathering all of this data. We interviewed him on our own podcast and I, he wanted to do a sponsorship deal and I can't even remember the poor guy's name. Um, oh, let's see. I'm going to, now it's driving me nuts. I got to go find it. Uh, oh, I'm still looking 75. Um, no, we cannot hire driving school. Pro miles. It's called pro miles. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, cause they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're super, super, super deep in all of this data and they have fuel optimization things and, uh, but fine fuel stops. If you if you don't have it, Landstar One, fine fuel stops is a good way. That's the way we always did it before Landstar One. Um, is you you have to kind of calculate your own discount. You have to know what your programs are. But it will at least drop the IFTA out and show you the difference in the fuel going that way. Um, and it ranks the stops highest to lowest in price. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, Pro Miles was the was the guy that we talked to. Um, Okay, let me go back to uh, 
rolling with Ryan. 2024 is kicking off strong. Yeah, listen, I mean, so far, uh, we've had a really good, let's see, let me look at our year-to-date right now. We're at $3.13 with 21% deadhead so far in January. That ain't bad. Given the state of the market, I'll take it. Um, David, oh, here, David asking a good question. He's looking at platforms. What's ideal, 53-foot flat or 53-foot step deck? I'm going to tell you from what I have witnessed, go with a flatbed. We have a 51-foot step deck that has just been more challenging, but asterisk for what we're trying to do, training people on the business side, the step deck is a little more difficult to find that regular legal freight. If you want to do the high, wide and heavy stuff, you want to really specialize yourself. The step deck can be better suited for that. But what for we're, for what we're trying to do, which is keep people on um, consistent levels of revenue, the flatbed is better for us. Um, so Side note, that 51-foot step deck is available for rent. Yeah. I got to do <clears throat> work to it, so it'll be a couple of weeks. But, yes, we – we we will we are going to lease out that fifty one foot step deck. So if any of you Landstar people um, are dying to have a step deck, we got one that we will lease to you. Um, so yes, not really going to be a lease purchase; it's a weekly rental. Yeah, like a yeah, like, like rental. You 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 operate it, you drag it, and then you know we'll come up with some kind of deal for you. Um. But like I said, if, if, if you want to specialize, that's a different deal, you know, but I would, and like Phil says, 53 foot flat is the best hands down, uh, especially if you don't have any prior experience, you know, and you're kind of getting into it new, I would go with a flatbed. And then later you can make the decision on all these different varying, my gosh, there's a thousand options that you can do. What motor and rear end gears do you prefer? Well, we prefer the Detroit Diesel Series 60. That's our preferred engine. And so our rear end gear is determined on what transmission is connected to that Detroit Series 60. That Series 60 runs best at 1,350 RPMs. Um, So what's a reasonable speed to get that? motor in the sweet spot we've calculated that to be about 62 miles an hour so you're either a you're going to have a overdrive transmission which is going to be a 10 or a 13 speed they're going to have the same uh final drive which is 0.73.7 yeah 0.73 that means you're going to have a 358 if you're going to have a direct drive 10 speed you're going to run a 264 now, I don't know Cummins and Cat. I, I don't know what their sweet spot is. I'm not sure what the DD15 is. And these newer trucks are all downsped. And so, good grief, they're they're making their power at 1,000, 1,200 RPMs. But for the Series 60, um, it is um, 358s with an overdrive, 264s with a direct drive. <clears throat> that's ideal for that's fuel mileage. For fuel mileage, which... Fuel is your number one cost, so you better be in the business of managing fuel. Um, 
you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about getting into RGN and I'm like, RGN is not your first step. That that's not where you start. You need to start with a flatbed. Um, and you need to learn all, uh, there is about securement and the freight and start building relationships. And then if you get into a position where you can make the investment of time, um, you know, you can do an argument, but, um, at, especially at a place like Anstar, we just don't have, we don't have the, we don't have the RGN freight like some other places do. You know, M make your money, go find whatever makes the most money. That's where that's where it starts. Um, uh, Let me make a comment, okay? Go ahead. We had a uh, one of our drivers. We teach our drivers to do everything they can to, to create good relationships with the, with the agents because that's who our customers are. And uh, one of our drivers has a, a survey that he sends every agent after he pulls one of their loads, yep. asking it, asking them what they, he could have done to have made it the experience better for them. Wow. How, how strong is that? Well, anyway, we got a response today on it. And here's what it says. His question was, are there any, is are there any ways I could have helped? I could improve to help provide better service, in the future the response back from the agent was we'd like to use more blue ribbon drivers and because uh their uh, our offices had great experience with their drivers and dispatchers that's what we're here to teach this mm -hmm. is how you stay in business is having people want to do business with you and your trucks and your drivers uh and so this is exactly what we are here to do is to teach truck drivers how this is how you stay in business not by uh, getting on facebook and talking bad about brokers and and wanting to take their money away from them because you can't make it on your own. This is how we make money right here. That's how you're going to succeed in this business is, is developing a relationship with your customer where they want you to do their work. Um, and uh, I can't stress how important that is, but uh, how many truck drivers would, would put themselves out there and ask this question after they get done home load? Hey, what could have I done to make your, to make this better for you? And most of them will run from that, not run to it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, Hey, click that button to switch over to your microphone. You're on your AirPods right now. Uh, okay. Uh, is there a dispatch deal with the flats like Chris has with the vans? Um, it's limited. Um, it's Does that matter to help. Um, no, I still don't think, I still don't think it changed. Uh, I just gave you permission to change it. All right. Try that. See what happens. There we go. I think we're in business now. Is that better? Oh, yeah, so much better. Um, so, David, get in touch with us, and we can have a talk about that because we, we do have limited opportunities, but there, there, there potentially is an opportunity there. Um, is it better to pay $600 for an oil change or to spend the cost of an OPS? Can an OPS be installed on a DD-15? Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. Episode 108 of the podcast, you can go through and we talk in detail about the OPS. Um, but with an OPS, you don't have to dump the oil unless the lab sample tells you to. So why dump perfectly good oil if it doesn't need to be changed? So the OPS allows you 
to do a 25,000 mile oil sample. And the oil sample will tell you exactly what the condition of your oil is and what the condition of the inside of your engine is. And, um, do you have coolant intrusion? Do you have fuel dilution? It will tell you all of that. And then if you find that you do have a low base or you have, uh, you know, different metals or coolant intrusion or fuel and fuel dilution, then dump the oil, but don't, don't, especially as much as oil and oil changes cost. Now the cost of the OPS installed is 12 or $1,300. Um, and then it's $110 every time you do a sample. Okay. So let me get the BSC 9,000 out. So it's a $55 filter and a $55 kit. So it's $110. You do that every 25,000 miles. So let's say you run 125,000 miles in a year divided by 25,000. That means you're going to do five samples in a year times $110. That's $550 to do your samples. You're only going to dump that oil, or in, in normal cases, you're only going to dump that oil every 50,000, especially with a DD-15. Okay. Um, and you're going to change your filters every 50,000 miles. All right. So now you're going into the TA saying, all right, I need you to change uh, one filter every 25,000 and two filters every 50,000 and do it. We do a chassis lube every 12,500. So that's $35. Um, so one oil change now almost covers you for an entire year running an OPS it, especially if you don't have to dump the oil. And we've seen trucks go to 200, 250,000 miles in between oil changes. Larry's, uh, Larry's truck has 1.8 million and it's only ever had four oil changes. And a couple of those were just because we were trying different kinds of oil, it, but it never had a sample ever that said to change the oil. We either changed it because, um, like we had cracked heads, right? And they had to dump everything out because they'd take the engine apart. Well, we changed the oil, right? Um, but never because the oil sample told us to. Uh, we changed, we, Larry, uh, Richie's truck went 260,000. Um, and it started, what was the iron was high or something? I can't remember. Um, uh, but we changed the oil, you know, but 260,000 miles. Um, uh, and you can run higher quality oil since you're not going to be dumping it all the time. Um, so, you know, uh, to me, it's a no brainer. Um, do we run for Steve vest? No, Steve was just a friend we made on YouTube or on, on TikTok. He mainly does. He does a lot of, uh, box truck and sprinter van kind of loads. I'm sure he does some truckload stuff as well. Um, he's got a Landstar agent that he works with. Um, and we would certainly pull Steve's freight if it was available. Um, but I'm not sure that the kind of freight that he runs would be beneficial to us, but, um, he is certainly someone I can tell is a real businessman. Um, and if, uh, <clears throat> uh, if he had a load, I would certainly hire it. Um, so yeah, one, somebody answered your question. Larry's the owner. I'm the fleet manager. <clears throat> um, yeah. And, and the DD 15s, and I'm sure the pack R's and all those are that way now. Uh, they're already kind of doing extended drains, you know, 50, 60,000 miles, depending on how you run it before you change oil. So, uh, but the, the big thing, set that aside for a second. The big thing is these oil samples that you're getting. 
every 25,000 miles, so every, you know, eight to 10 weeks, you're finding out exactly what is going on inside that engine. Now, if you're, um, um, uh, if you are, oh boy, the train just left the building. I don't even, mm-hmm. I don't even remember what I was getting ready to say. Um, wow. Willie Lee, Pittsburgh Power recommended at least having 75,000 minimum prior to installing OPS fast and ECM mods. I, I might on ECM mods, but uh, I'm going to put the OPS and fast on it day one. Or, well, and and they've made some updates to the fast now also that we found interesting. Because uh, for the longest time, we, did, we had a fast on Larry's truck, but we didn't put them on the rest of the trucks because it's an it's an additional amount of maintenance. And when you're dealing with employee drivers, uh, you can't buy the filters everywhere. It, it, it was, it was a little risky, but I hear, what was the change that they made? It goes insulation, into the insulation has gone from like 10 hours down to just a couple hours. Yeah. You don't have to create that return line. It's built right. in. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> so that's you kind of to drill the tanks and, is extensive plumbing work, you know, to get the return lines in and yeah. And now yeah. that's built into the pump. So that's, uh, that's definitely worth doing. Um, but and the, the means, you know, they're, they're a lot tighter. And I think that's where we run into issues with drivers that are new to the industry. Um, not checking their oil, which you should be doing, but people are shocked when they say we're, we're used to adding a gallon of oil every 10, eight or 10,000 miles. Well, there must be something wrong with the truck. No, since like the, um, since the beginning of trucking trucks used oil, but these newer engines don't consume as much oil as the older one did. Juan, we've already answered your question. I'm the fleet manager. Larry's the owner. <clears throat> uh, and somebody in the comments answered it as well. Um, But the, the knowing what's happening inside that engine, how are you going to know if you've got fuel dilution? Now, what if you got a leaky injector? How are you going to know if you've got um, coolant intrusion? You know, those are things that will destroy your engine from the inside and you'll never know. So even if you chose not to do the extended drains, um, having that oil sample is a, is a, is a huge advantage to knowing what's going inside your engine. I know what I was trying to think of a minute ago with the newer emissions and you're doing a diesel force cleaning, for example, well, that comes with an oil change, right? So you have to consider that if you're doing extended drains at some point, you're going to get to a point where they're going to run all that foam through there. And you, you know, I, nobody's ever said this, but I'm thinking, I don't know, should you disconnect? that OPS while you're doing the diesel force cleaning, you know, um, I don't know, maybe we should ask Pittsburgh power that, um, <clears throat> I guess the phone would just go through and help clean it out. Um, but the, the big thing is, um, you know, preventative maintenance on these emission systems. And we've learned a ton from chase and the guys at DPF alternatives, 
um, and they've helped a lot understanding these emission systems and how to keep them clean um, and how to understand, you know, what's going on with them and, and the structural issues, you know, and I had no idea um, that uh, just yanking the filters out of and clean them is not necessarily fixing your problem. If you're not doing a structural inspection making sure there's no cracks in the outside housing that need to be welded up that are letting other contaminants inside that box. Um, and if, you know, and if the, the alleged certified professional that you're dealing with doesn't know how to look that thing over and make sure that there's not some other issue, um, that you're doing. If you run max mileage, do you need to do a diesel force cleaning? Um, so, we're told that if like we we use DPF alternatives, we'll take filters out and send them down there um, and have them cleaned. Um, uh, and if you run the max mileage, you get a lifetime warranty. So if a truck, if I'm going to bring a truck in that I'm unfamiliar with and I don't know how it's been cared for over five or six hundred thousand miles. I'm probably going to do a diesel force cleaning and then I'm going to run the catalyst. And the recommendation that's is every two years, Chris. I'm sorry. Every two years. The recommendation is every two years run the catalyst, getting the diesel force cleaning. Okay. So there is a recommendation to do both. Um, now our friend, Steve Wheeler, uh, he won a truck from Landstar. So he got it brand new day one. He's run the catalyst from day one and he uses an APU. So he doesn't idle the truck. And I think he said, and that's been a couple of years. Well, he won that in 2020, didn't he? Yeah. So that truck's three or four years old. It's never done a park regen. As of the last time I talked to Steve a few months ago, running the catalyst and not idling, and that truck has never done a forced regen or uh, never done a parked regen. So, I mean, that, that speaks for itself right there. And we run the catalyst on anything from 2004 up. So if it has EGR, if it has SCR, DPF, of course we avoid 08 to 15. We don't, we don't, we don't run or own trucks in that. Um, but we run the catalyst and everything uh, that has any kind of emission system on it from EGR up. David, I guess you could turn off the supply valve, the the valve on the supply line. Um, but it's just you know one of those questions that kind of made me think out loud. Um, if you should somehow. Um, cut the OPS off from the diesel force clean, but I don't guess it would hurt. You just change the filter. Um, it's going to get a, uh, it's going to get clean. Proper specs are vital for that. My 2017 Volvo has never done one in 750,000 miles. So Rod, are you running the catalyst in that? I mean, we're, we're huge believers in that product because we've seen, you know, we had a 16 Cascadia we brought in a few years back. And when we got it, it was lights all over the dash. We had it diesel force cleaned and, um, um, and ran the catalyst in it and never, never had any problem. Did you guys like paper logs back in the day? Uh, not really. Um, I mean, I cheated like hell you know, like we all did. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a go back to paper logs guy. Um, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the outlier 
that the road pirate is going to spend more time on. Um, so I just learned I've been on, uh, electronic logs since January of 2011. All right. So that's what, um, it was 10 years. I ran 10 years on ELD and what it did <clears throat> was it made me a better planner. So I never had issues. Um, if you have issues with an ELD that you think a paper log is going to fix, it's because you suck at trip planning. It's your fault. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to move heaven and earth to drive a 1999 model truck. So you can run paper logs because you can't use the calculator and you suck at trip planning. It's your fault. Uh, ELD is not your problem. You're the problem. As in most cases that truck drivers try to find some nonsense way around something when you could fix it by just being more responsible, you know, it's just, um, and I, and, and I remember there was a time at some point along the way that I had an ELD malfunction and I had to run paper. Oh my God. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. It didn't keep me from making a bunch of money at FedEx. Oh, right. Um, it, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just bullshit excuses from truck drivers, you know, trying to find somebody or something to blame for their inadequacy. That's, that's the problem with your hatred of paper logs and, and your hatred of brokers and everything else. You just, and I'm going to say what Larry said that set the internet on fire about a year ago. The only reason y'all hate brokers is because they're better at their job than you are at yours period, you know? And so you just, you, these mouth breathing knuckle draggers, um, that, that just keep spouting this bullshit, this absolutely verifiably untrue nonsense. Cause it sounds good. Cause they believe everything they think and they don't have the common sense or intelligence to actually learn how the industry that they work in operates. I'm on a rant. I better stop. <clears throat> stop. Yeah. Stop blaming other people for your own failures. You know, just look in the mirror and say, all right, there's the problem. It's him uh, or her. All right. And it's, and, and it's fixable. Yeah. 100% fixable. You get your head out of your ass, but most people don't want to do that. You know, like that baby sitting in a, in a diaper full of poop. Well, I know it stinks, but it's warm and it's mine. And I like it. <laughs> Good analogy. Rocky says they think they need to drive 200 hours a week to make a dollar. Listen, I, I, I did that cowboy shit back in the day, right? Run 90 mile an hour with my hair on fire. Um, well that don't make, that doesn't work when you're in business. You know, it just doesn't. When I see these, these, these chromed out trucks, blowing by me at 80 miles an hour with black smoke rolling out. I know that guy's not an owner operator or he won't be for long. Um, Richie says my only issue with the laws on ELD is I'm usually not tired when I stop. So I'm awake for another four or five hours after my day ends. Well, fortunately I don't have that problem. When I get done with 11 hour day, I go straight from the seat to the bed and I'm out, you know, and I sleep my eight, nine hours and get up and do it over again. So I don't really, I don't usually have that problem. You take that Xbox out of your truck, Richie, you get a lot more sleep. Well, we've got an hour and 46 minutes. I think we've hit all of the comments. <clears throat> I was going to talk a little bit about FinCEN if you want me to. Oh, go ahead. 
please do. Well, so all the rage right now on social media is this new law that's been passed that's going to make you have to reveal more information to the government about who owns your business. And I went to a lot of trouble today to research that. Plus, I talked to my CPA and and um, she and informed me of a lot of things I wasn't aware of either. But um, here's the bottom line on the deal. There was a new law passed. It's called it's part of the financial. Um, let me let me bring the website. I'll, I don't I'll, misquote it. I'll find the bullshit name for it. It's F-I-N-C-E-N is the name of the website. Dot gov. Um, it's, part, it's part of that financial crimes enforcement network. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So yeah. the, this is all about trying to find uh, money launderers or people that are funding terrorist groups and trying to identify who's behind them. So there's no more information than you're providing them and you already provide your state when you set up your corporation in your state. This it, is no different. You're just giving it to a different um, bureau. Um, the reality of it is if you formed your LLC prior to January of 2024, you've got till January of 2025 to file this form. If you filed your, if you formed your LLC after January, 2024, you've got 30 days, um, to do it after, after the day you formed it. Uh, there's some sub- substantial penalties for not doing it. It's, it's up to 500 bucks a day, $10,000 on top of that. And then two years in jail. So they're pretty serious about it. Uh, and most LLCs are, are required to complete it. Now, there is some exemptions, and CPAs are not going to stick their neck out and, and verify whether you uh, qualify for the exemption or not. You're going to have to go through a lawyer to do that. Uh, CPAs have been told they're not lawyers, and they're not able to make that determination. So that's a legal question, not, a, not an accounting question. But there are 23 exemptions from this. Uh, that, you know, I, I looked at them. I don't think very many trucking companies are going to make it, but um, one of them is you have to have publicly held, do $5 million in business, have over 20 employees. There's probably some trucking companies that could make the kick that can meet that, obviously, but here, probably here, not very many LLCs. So. I'm looking at this website, and this is hilarious. Okay. I'm looking at the 23 exemptions. All right. Yep. Securities reporting issuer, governmental authority, bank, credit union. Uh, broker or dealer in securities, security exchange or clearing agency, other exchange accident, venture capital fund advisor, insurance company. These are the people that shouldn't get the exemptions. You know who should exactly. get the exemptions? Me. You right. know, right. these are the guys who are doing, who are in a situation to do all this money laundering. Tax exempt entity. Oh, mm-hmm. listen, like, like, like there's not money laundering like, like you wouldn't believe through these. 501c3s. Lord, what a right, right. joke. Exactly. Anyway, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing that you're going to divulge here that you haven't already divulged to your state. Uh, it's, 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 much, it's just a bunch of fear-mongering. Relax. Not a big deal. I filled out the form today. It's nothing to it. It's a PDF that you do electronically and uh, really nothing to it. Um, if you're an LLC and you're and your secretary of state um, established you in your state, there you've already done everything that you're going to do here. You're just going to do it again, and um, you know. And if you're not la- laundering money or funding tariffs, you got nothing to worry about anyway. So, and if you're doing that, then you're probably uh, a regular taxpayer and paying the IRS. Um, that's the most uh, 
funding of terrorist group that I know of right there. So <laughs> yeah, I'll let yeah. Chris elaborate on that, but, um, you know, taxation is theft. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's hilarious that, uh, I mean, the, 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 the things that, that politicians and bureaucrats say out loud with no sense of irony whatsoever is just hilarious to me. You know, like y'all are the ones that are going to talk about money laundering. Really? Really? Y'all, y'all are going to talk about money laundering? Y'all have you heard, of, about, have you heard of this country called Ukraine? Yeah. Y'all are going to talk to me about, you know, right. truth and reporting. Yeah. I don't, I think y'all should sit down and shut up. That's what I think y'all should do. Yeah. <laughs> uh there's a there's a big list i saw today because all that kerfluffle going on at the border in texas and it was a big uh big image and it was like all of the republican governors that were supporting governor abbott and jim justice was on there and look at all these republican governors and i said hey i just need y'all to understand that jim justice is a crook a thief an authoritarian psychopath and a moron Okay, so anything that he's in favor of does not necessarily mean it's a thing that you should be in favor of, you know? Footnote uh, here, Jim Justice is Chris's governor in the great state of West Virginia. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, a, he's one of Chris's personal heroes. <laughs> yeah. Especially his little dog. Yeah, him and his stupid dog. Um, and he's running for go- uh, federal Senate, by the way, you know? Good for him. Uh, yeah. That means you guys are good new governor. <sighs> Lord is he going to resign or is he going to well his be- he's, his 15 minutes are up he's he's had two terms okay, so he's, he's done he, anyway yeah he's done Thank he's you got God. nothing to lose then right yeah well and and I, I guess you saw that the fmcsa administrator is i guess allegedly stepping down because uh, she got caught um being at a dinner with some, i don't know unions or corporations or something and she's stepping down and everybody's talking about it. And I'm like, well, hey, have no fear, citizen. They will replace her with somebody worse. Absolutely. Don't y'all worry. They will find they will find the most despicable, disgusting person that they can find to make the head of the FMCSA. So like she, mayor from like a mayor from up around Notre Dame. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's just the whole thing. And I don't mean to be. I don't mean to be dismissive of it. Yeah, I mean, you do. I kind of am. But if the government, any government, doesn't matter if it's U.S. or Israel or Iran or whoever, if it was really as powerful as y'all thought it was, we'd be in big trouble. Like, right, like, like if it was truly had the magical powers that some people believe that it does like it's Santa Claus, you know, or the Easter bunny or, or, or the fairy godmother, we'd be screwed if it was really that powerful, but it's just really not. It's a bunch of fluff and, and rhetoric and, and, you know, and they just, they just sit up there and they talk and they don't mean anything that they're, that they're saying. Um, like, like the, uh, the, the clean truck thing I was reading, Phil sent me that. And I was reading through this utopian pipe dream that they've got out there in California um, that we're uh, getting rid of. That's that's the home of utopian pipes. They should have dreams out there. Yeah. Crack pipes. But they, they're, they're, they're phasing out internal combustion engines. Um, 
you know, I wish him the best of luck with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, this is and, a, this is a state that's already broke and produces all kinds of produce that has to be hauled out of there. Mm-hmm. And but so, the, but their their plan is by 2028, and you can't run a truck with over 800,000 miles on it. And all I can see as I'm reading this is truck sales. This doesn't have anything to do with the environment. Right. This is this is to sell trucks, right? We we can't we're not going to run trucks over 800,000 miles. That means one truck in our fleet. One. Can go to California. Yeah. Because we've got one truck under 800,000 miles. Hell, I think Richie's at a, a 1.8, you know. By the way, you don't, do y'all realize how easy it is to change the odometer in a big truck? Well, the freight liner, especially. You just take the cluster out, put a new cluster in, and it's back to zero. Like that. I mean, it's just it's just such mind-numbing nonsense. Um. You know, the nine scariest words in the English language. I'm from the government and I'm here to help, you know, um, you know, I, it's, it's crazy. All right. Well, I think we've stirred up enough trouble for one episode. Um, I am, I'm ready for bed. It's 10 o'clock. Um, Let's we, remind the people of some things coming up. Yeah. The Louisville truck show is, is March 21 through 23. Yep. That's a Thursday through Saturday. Um, we're going to be there. Uh, Friday, we're going to be at the Pittsburgh Power Booth, and, and they're surrounding it. That's where all of our um, um, vendors, manufacturers and vendors and suppliers that we use their products are going to be. Um, and then on Saturday, we're going to be at the Landstar Booth to talk to potential program participants. And then if you want to come have a, just a little meet and greet, we're going to be at the casino at, in, 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 in Southern Indiana called Caesars over in uh, Elizabeth, Indiana. That's where we're staying, by the way. But we're going to be in the casino. We're going to have a little, little uh, just an informal get together uh, at the bar down there at the, in the casino. If y'all the podcast just want to get together, meet each other, put a name to a face and put mm-hmm. comments to a face and, Y'all have a knockdown drag out right there. Uh, we'll we'll have plenty of drinks and watch you. So, uh, but that's uh, the, that's what we got coming up. So we hope everybody um, can come. If you haven't been to the truck show, it's, it's really something for you to see because you're in this industry. You'll learn a lot there, uh, meet a lot of people, see a lot of things. Um, and then if you want to, you know, socialize with podcast people, we'll do that on Thursday night. Um, all of our people will understand we're going to have our company dinner on Saturday night, but that's, that's not open to the public and that's a, that's a private event, but we'll be doing that Saturday night. So, um, all of, if you want to meet some of our guys, all of our people will be there. We put them up in a hotel on Saturday. They'll all be there Saturday. So if you want to meet some of these people and talk to like Richie or Phil or Barb or some of the people that we talk about all the time, they'll be there and you can find them at the truck show and, you know, and, and talk with them. Um, and uh, that's what we got going on in the month of March. So it's coming up before we know it. So we hope to see some of you guys there, okay? And if you come to the truck stop and plan on causing any trouble, just understand Richie's in charge of security, right? So <laughs> he Right, right. Uh, he's usually well, uh, well. Um, um, yeah, well yeah, yeah, well equipped. All right, y'all. Well, we will be back with you next Friday. Uh, February 2nd, hard to believe January's gone. I mean, just gone. 
Yep. And just on a personal note, I'm doing fine. Uh, my voice is a little weak, but physically I don't have, I mean, all the doctors are in amazement. I don't have any deficiencies, paralysis, or anything like that. I do have a, a kind of a continuing, a uh, little bit of a disorientation, a little bit of a brain fog, but uh, I've always got Chris to help me through that. So um, he's always done. He did it before I had a uh, medical reason. Yeah. Um, you don't have any, you don't have any new deficiencies, you know? No, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. All the, all the same ones are there, you know? Same, yeah. Same, 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 same thing. But anyway, I uh, appreciate all the well wishes and everything, but I, I'm fine. And uh, just getting stronger every day and just trying to get my eggs unscrambled. Um, and that's, you know, it just, it sounds funny, but it's kind of difficult to do what I do, you know, cause I manage a lot of numbers and my executive function is, is uh, certainly diminished. Uh, but uh, it's getting better. We've had some good conversations this week. Uh, we've had a couple of conversations with some of our truck owners and working on a couple of new projects that we'll probably be announcing around, around the truck show. And um, this, uh, this shop uh, and the prospect of having some of these service um, providers uh, represented in our shop is kind of exciting, but it's also contributing to my anxiety a little bit, but, Mm-hmm. But we'll have a lot of uh, new announcements about that. And we'll be making a lot of those connections at the truck show. So hopefully we'll have some announcements right after the truck show about some things there. Uh, but in case you didn't know, we do, we're do. we in a partnership with um, CAMS, uh, Truck and Trailer, over in Dunbar, West Virginia. Charleston. Uh, it's a, or Charleston, I'm sorry. Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, that's Chris Dolan, who we talk about all the time. Uh, he's a great guy. And, and uh they're, they're a really, really good shop, and they're, they're really, really honest people. And uh, Chris Polk is, is there all the time, so he's our representative there. But uh, if you need some work done, uh, stop in and see the guys over there at CAMS, and obviously let them know where you came from. Uh, we're going to hit them up for some sponsorship money too. So uh, let them know why you're there and how you got there. Obviously, same thing as Pittsburgh Power. You know, We're getting ready to see them all again at the truck show and renew our sponsorship for next year. So if you like the podcast and – you want to see it keep going, uh, let Pittsburgh Power know how much you appreciate that and go over to their booth and buy some stuff. And and uh, we'll be there. You, you talk with us and we'll introduce you to Bruce and some of the guys over there. And um, y'all can talk trucks and whatever you want to talk about. But uh, but support our sponsors. That's how we do this. And it's uh, it's what pays the bills. So we appreciate them. We appreciate you, you know, uh, supporting them. So anyway, you guys have a safe week. And uh don't don't nobody go out here and have any strokes, okay? Yeah, I'll take it for the team here. I, I took one for the team, so. Um, All right, we'll see y'all next Friday. Take care.